Thank you so much for joining us today for OK11's podcast. My name is M.G. Govia. I'm the Education Outreach Liaison for OK11. Today, our guest is going to be Betsy Kulikowski with Oklahoma Safety Council. And we are looking forward to talking about a lot of things coming up for 2021 and our partnership with um, Oklahoma Safety Council as well. So let's start off with brief introductions. Betsy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Betsy Kulikowski. I'm the Executive Director for the Oklahoma Safety Council. I've uh, been with the council for about four years now. Uh, been in this role for just a little over a year. Um, before this, I worked at the Oklahoma Department of Labor for 27 and a half years, both in public sector enforcement and the OSHA consultation program. So I'm kind of an outside insider when it comes to OSHA. I was kind of on the inside, but still on the outside. So, you know, I've got a unique perspective about some things coming down from OSHA this year, so. Awesome, I'm looking forward to finding out quite a bit. And um, one reason that um, OK one always reaches out to Betsy and the Oklahoma Safety Council is our partnership. We do quite a few things throughout the year to promote safety in the excavation industry completely. So um, I thank you again for partnering with us once more. And I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit about what 2021 holds for both of us. Absolutely, so one- my pleasure. And so the um, at the time of recording, our new president just got sworn in. Um, so what, how will that affect OSHA and what is coming down in the future? Well, there's a lot of speculation to what that could mean for the Oklahoma, for the OSHA department, you know, OSHA, the U.S. Department of Labor, and, you know, that filters down to, to the state as well. Um, some of the outsiders' perspective suggests that uh, Biden's going to ramp up enforcement. That's kind of a big agenda for him, uh, which means he's going to need to hire some additional inspectors. There's been uh, budget cuts and a lot of a lot of inspectors are getting to that point where they're ready to retire. So, um, you know, OSHA is going to need to be fully staffed if they're really going to ramp up in- inspections. So that's that's one of the areas where we could see some some changes in OSHA. Uh, there's some talk about uh, temporary emergency standards for different subjects, including one of them being COVID. Uh, you know, there are a lot of standards that are applicable to COVID, but there's no one standard specifically written for it. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see something come down the pike on that. It's going to be a challenge to enforce. Having uh, been an enforcement officer for the state, I've seen how difficult standards can be to enforce if they're not well written. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what comes down on that and how that's going to be uh, applicable and how the ocean inspectors are going to apply it in the field. Um, there's been some talk about reviewing the Whistleblowers Protection Act, uh, some changes to that law that protects workers who file a complaint against their employer. Um, you know, if you look at some of the current standards, especially like with, with what they put out on COVID, a lot of the guidance documents that they say a lot of things about, you know, you should do this when it's feasible or when it's possible. And too many employers, this has always been a sticking point for me as an enforcement officer when I was doing that, was the term feasible doesn't mean convenient. So it doesn't mean that you should do this if it's convenient. It means if you can do it, you need to do it. So I think the standard when they do write that, uh, if they do put in a temporary standard, is going to have to be very clear. This is expected. This is not optional. You know, should and shall mean different things. You have to understand OSHA speak. Um, So that's one of those areas where I think they've been a little weak on some of the guidance documents. You know, they say if if it's feasible, but too many people see that as if it's convenient. So I'm kind of watching to see how that goes. Um, I was looking at a news article the other day and I don't really remember what my source was, but I had jotted down a couple of notes on it. There have been 204 citations for 
COVID uh, on the inspections that OSHA has done at the time that this article was published. Uh, there were over 10,295 complaints related to worker safety uh, for COVID protocols at different workplaces across the country. And OSHA had issued $2.8 million in penalties. So that's a, that's a drop in the bucket. I think there could be a lot more inspections coming down the road. There's been a lot of uh, fatality reports, a lot more workers succumbing to OSHA. There is actually one case that I'm watching pretty significantly where supervisors were actually taking wagers to see how many employees in their workplace could get COVID. Uh, and I think that's unfortunate. I think those employers uh, set themselves up for a huge liability on cases like that. I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV, but uh, that is very concerning to me to see that. So I'm kind of watching that case to see, you know, how that plays out. That could go criminal. So very interesting. Um, President Biden does have a pick for labor commissioner for the uh, labor secretary. <laughs> so used to working with the state labor secretary at the federal level, labor commissioner at the state. Uh, but Marty Walsh is a boss is the mayor of Boston. Uh, he is um, pretty heavily entrenched with the labor unions. Not a bad thing. Um, he's got a great relationship with President Biden. So um, I think that's a logical pick. Uh, you know, if he gets confirmed into that role. You know, I think that that's not necessarily going to be a bad thing. Trump never did find a, a good fill for that. I think it sat pretty vacant for a while. Um, so I'm just interested to watch that. Interesting. Um, so um, we are still going through um, battling with COVID um, through all industries. Um, how does COVID need to be recorded? How is it being tackled? Right. There, there's a lot of debate on this. This is one of those areas where, you know, OSHA has put out several letters of interpretation, letters uh, or not letters of interpretations, but um, guidance documents on how to record and when to record cases of COVID. Uh, I've gone through and gleaned through it. It's pretty clear cut to me. First of all, the employer is responsible for recording any case of COVID. If there is a confirmed case as defined by the CDC, and it meets the definition of being work-related, and it involves one or more of the recording criteria, meaning that heaven forbid there's been a death, days away from work, days restricted or transferred, medical treatment beyond first aid, loss of consciousness or other significant injury illness, regardless of the treatment provided at the time or not. Now, the work-related is the hardest part because then it requires the employer to do their investigation. You know, we talk about doing incident investigations all the time. This is no different. This does not have to be a detailed um, contact tracing like you hear the, you know, the health department's doing. It may be as simple as asking that employee, where do you think you got this? And looking to see if there are other cases in areas where they're working or if they're in an area where they have exposure to the public and there's a high community spread, which unfortunately we do have in Oklahoma. So that employer's due diligence is to go through and ask those questions. And of course, they've got confidentiality that they have to maintain for that employee. So, you know, you can't go tell everybody, you know, so-and-so sick, they've got this, they've got that. You know, you've got to protect that employee's privacy. You've got to do your investigation, take a look at, you know, where their workplace is, what their potential exposure is, who else may already be sick, um, where your spreaders might be. So that's something that I think we're going to be dealing with for probably a majority of the year, even with vaccinations rolling out. It's going to take time to get everybody vaccinated who wants it. Not everybody wants it, and that's okay. Um, Obviously, we would want, from safety standpoint, want people to get vaccinated because that's the best way to prevent the spread. But I understand not everybody can take that, so it's perfectly understandable. Um, so 
you know, there's a lot to be said for knowing what's recordable and what's not and doing your due diligence. So, um, you know, I teach record keeping. It's one of those areas I'm always happy to answer questions on. I like I like getting those questions by email. And so, you know, if anybody has issues or concerns, they're, they're welcome to reach out to me. But you can also reach out to your OSHA consultation program here in the state or your federal OSHA office. They can help you with those questions. So when it comes to COVID recording, it's all employees, correct? So <laughs> if they get COVID outside of work, then it's the missing work that's going to trigger being recordable or well if they don't if they don't get it at work they got it on their personal time maybe they got it from church or they got it from a family member it's not recordable ever it has to be work related then you have to have medical treatment beyond first aid lost work days days away restricted or transferred heaven forbid they pass away or they have to have some kind of medical treatment like hospitalization which in OSHA's requirements, if you have an employee who's hospitalized for medical treatment from a work-related case, you have to notify OSHA within 24 hours of that incident. And if they pass away, you're required to notify them within eight hours. But that's only if they pass away within the 30 days from the time they're first diagnosed to the time that they uh, unfortunately pass away. So there's a window there. After those 30 days, OSHA kind of doesn't really have a lot of jurisdiction. So, you know, you've got to keep in mind that it can be tricky. uh, And when in doubt, it's always better to call and say, you know, I think I have a reportable uh, COVID case. You know, I think somebody in our workplace caught it at work. We, we're still investigating, but we think this is the case and we need to go ahead and make a report. Um, you can get a lot less trouble for reporting something you shouldn't than for not reporting when you should. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate the clarification on that because I've always wondered about when is it yours and when is it not? Yeah, it has to be work-related. That's the first question you ask. Got a little flow chart I can send you. Awesome. Um, and we'll make that available to um, anybody um, as you listen to this podcast. Any references or anything that you want, um, you can uh, easily email me at education at okawoman.org and I'll facilitate, facilitate getting that out to you. You betcha. So um, one of the many things that uh, I always look forward to with our partnership with Oklahoma Safety Council is the conference that we do every year. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the committee. I help out as much as I can. And uh, it's a great experience just being able to see all these people who are passionate about uh, safety and health in Oklahoma. Give me some deets on the conference coming up. Uh, we We are hoping that we will be able to do our conference in person this year. We went to a virtual event last year. Uh, I think it was the right decision to make and it was appropriate. Our scheduled event is in August. It's going to be the 11th through the 13th at the Southern Hills Marriott in Tulsa. Uh, We also do a golf tournament. So if there's any golfers out there plan on coming out and teeing up, it'll be a good time had by all. Um, We are going to do hot weather weather procedures that day. I have a feeling at any time we're doing golf tournaments in August, I'm, I'm always concerned about the heat. Um, so we'll be doing some protocols for that. Uh, we do pre-conference training. We have breakout sessions. It's a day and a half of extensive training at a really good price. Um, we will have speakers from all over. We're currently uh, looking to fill all our speaker slots in, in February the 19th, I think is going to be our last day to accept speaker submissions. So if you get this before the 19th and you're interested in being a speaker, uh, go to our website at oksafety.org and get uh, the speaker package and get that in because we'll be looking to finalize that. Um, we are looking for sponsors. We always need help with the event. Uh, this is a huge fundraiser for the Safety Council. It's one of our uh, key parts of our operating budget. 
it. So uh, we really appreciate our sponsorships. And if you can only give a little, that's great. If you can give a lot, that's fantastic. We appreciate you. We'll give you all the props necessary to make it worth your time and effort. Uh, and it's just a great way to share your commitment to safety and health in the workplace and to show that your company uh, stands by safety, you know, 24 seven. So we appreciate our sponsors. Um, we do have a couple of fun events in addition to the golf tournament. We're going to be doing a, a social hour uh, on Thursday evening. Uh, we're still working out the details on that, but it should be a good time had by all. And then we do an awards ceremony on Friday, uh, which is kind of our wrap up at the end of the lunch hour. We'll do a big awards ceremony. Uh, the State Labor Department gives away some awards. We give away our Pinnacle of Safety Award for our member companies that have uh, an exemplary safety and health management system. So um, it's just a great event. It's a, I've always said that this is the one event that I go to as a safety professional to get my cup filled up. And I always walk out of there feeling like I, my cup runneth over. I always feel like I've, I've connected with like-minded people. I've gained information and knowledge. I'm still learning. I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always learning something new from other safety professionals. And I think it's just a great opportunity for our community to come together to make our workplaces safer, to make sure that our workers go home whole and healthy at the end of every day, which is our mission. That is so awesome. And just an endorsement from OKA1 and myself. Um, I've attended three of the conferences now and I walk away, just like you said, I have an opportunity to network with people who are just as passionate as I am, um, who understands the importance of all of us having a lifestyle of safety, not just a switch that you turn on and off when you go to work. Um, keynote speakers have been phenomenal. Um, it's just a really great thing to be a part of, and it's even better to attend. Um, you'll, I promise if you go, you'll gain so much knowledge and opportunity with networking that you'll be very appreciative that you went. Absolutely. And I should give a shout out to all our vendors because we do have a vendor hall. We have uh, uh, an expo event that's just fantastic. And we're, we're getting ready to start opening it up for vendors as well. So if you're interested in having a booth, uh, opportunities are available for that. And again, that'll be all on our website. Um, Attendee registration will be opening up soon. We haven't got that open quite yet. Uh, we're a month behind. We usually do this in July. We started out doing it in May. The first one I ever went to was in May, and then it kind of got pushed back to June, which June was National Safety Month, which was great, but everybody else did their safety conferences in June, so we pushed to July, and it's so hot, and it's so hard to get a hotel space. We reserved the hotel space two years in advance, and last year really messed up our, our hotel contracts. We had to, we had to do some... Um, creative bargaining and um, you know negotiation with our hotels but they've been really good to work with us so um, you know now we're doing it in August so everything's a month off this year so we're all feeling a little disconcerted just because it's a month off oh well it's usually opening in February well no it's going to be March so uh, just watch our website that's the best place to go for information about our conference outstanding and uh, I would be um, remiss if I didn't mention that it's kicking off on August 11th which of course is a holiday to me, uh, A11 day. Um, exactly. So it's really, we did so that really, for you. I appreciate it. I know um, I was late on that meeting and I was so excited when I found out that we're gonna kick it off on our holiday. So um, hopefully um, we can tie that in somehow as well. So we're looking forward to that. Um, so celebrate August 11th with us, um, go to the conference and give me a high five. That's what I think every listener should do. OK811 hosts live webinars every other Wednesday at 2 p.m. local time. These webinars cover a wide range of safety topics for both members and excavators. 
If you attend our live webinar, you will receive a certificate of attendance. And if you aren't able to attend the live webinar, register anyhow to receive a recording of the webinar the following day. To check out our webinar schedule, go to the education events page on our website, oki811.org. If you have questions or suggestions for topics for future webinars, please contact us at education at oki811.org. Um, when it comes to Oklahoma Safety Council, there's so much more to you than this big conference coming up. You do provide trainings throughout the year. You um, partnership um, with so many different agencies as well. Can you um, go into the training opportunities that are available to our listeners? Absolutely. We, we, we cover not just the workplace. We cover the roadways. We cover the home. You know, we, our, our safety is multifaceted. Uh, we want that 24-7 safety lifestyle, that, that culture of safety. So some of our classes are not necessarily the things you would think of for workplace. One of the classes that we teach is a young driver safety program called Alive at 25. Um, a lot of people confuse it with defensive driving or they confuse it with driver's education. It's supplemental to all of that. It's specifically designed for young drivers ages 15 to 24 and our goal is to make sure that they're still alive at 25. Um, I have two young drivers. I have a 19 year old and a 16 year old. They have both been through the program. Uh, They both have learned quite a bit. They're both very good drivers as a result. Of course, you have to be when your mom's the head of the safety council. <laughs> when your mom's the safety lady, they, you know, you're, you're going to, it's like the preacher's kid. You're, you're going right. to live it. Um, so they, they're excellent drivers and I highly recommend it. We have a grant from the Oklahoma Highway Safety Office and we appreciate their support very much because this is, this program is very mission oriented for us. So we are able to offer that training for no cost to the students. So if you're a teacher and you have groups of kids in the right age range and you want to have that brought to your school we can do that Uh, it is a four-hour class so we'll have to find a way to make that work but we will find a way to make that work because we want that training in the hands of the kids who need it Um, there is a huge spike of young drivers being involved in speeding incidents here in Oklahoma some of them involve crashes some of them involve some pretty hefty tickets uh, since the pandemic started and we've seen an increase in road wake fatalities in a time when most people are supposed to be quarantined or isolated at home which is concerning so um, I highly encourage you to check out our website oksafety.org for more information on the Alive at 25 class and reach out to us if that's something that you're interested in bringing to your group whether you're a teacher uh, a youth leader you know, your church, your Boy Scout troop, we will find a way to work with you. And again, it's all free because of the, the grant from the Oklahoma Highway Safety Office. So that that is something that we do at our facility once a month. If you just got a student you want to send to them, just go to our website and register them. Uh, we do teach defensive driving courses. The first and third Saturday of each month is the offerings for those both in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. That is a $50 course. It's six hours and it is state approved for either ticket reduction or, yeah, for uh, insurance reduction or ticket point dismissals. So that is something that we offer. It's National Safety Council curriculum. It's taught by law enforcement officers. So it's a good opportunity as well. Um, we also offer that as an online course that's four hours. It's not state approved, but it is something that can help employers if you want to buy the keys. We sell them in keys in bulk. Uh, we have really good prices for that if you want to put all your staff through. Um, we have a couple of classes that we do in the classroom, and we're still doing some classroom training with all the uh, physical distancing requirements and all of our COVID protocols in place. Uh, we do first aid CPR. We are not doing the breathing exercises where you actually get down and, and work on the mannequin. We're still doing the compressions, but we're not doing the breaths just to prevent 
prevent any kind of airborne spread. Uh, we teach safe land for the oil and gas industries, typically offer that every Friday. Um, we haven't seen a lot on that lately because there's kind of been a downturn in the industry, but we still have it on the schedule. So if anybody's interested, that's available. Uh, we work with the Alliance Safety Council for a, a, a safety leadership course called COST. It's a certified occupational safety specialist. Uh, I've been through it. Um, I just renewed my uh, COST certification just a couple of weeks ago. Got my certificate in this morning. I'm kind of excited about that. Um, but it is a week-long boot camp for safety professionals. Uh, it is now being done virtually, which is fantastic because that means the classes are making because it has, it's not meaning they, they don't have to travel here. We don't have the added expenses. So it's all almost always making. We haven't had a class yet that hasn't made since they went virtual and it's been a great opportunity for us to network and partner with, with the Alliance Safety Council out of Louisiana. So that is a great opportunity. Then there's another class that's just a step above that that requires a little bit more um, experience called the Certified Occupational Safety Manager, and they're also doing that virtual. So they're spreading it out over a couple of weeks and doing it like one day a week. So if you can get through it, um, it's kind of a little better for people's schedules. So those are available. More information at oksafety.org. Um, we have forklift operator and instructor courses that we teach. Again, National Safety Council curriculum. Uh, in Oklahoma City, we do hands-on. We actually have a forklift that we rent. Uh, on the day we do the class. It's something that we used to have one here all the time and we, we weren't able to keep it. So um, we do have one that we bring in and we, we operate that and get, they get a chance to do some hands-on. So that's always interesting. Fall protection training. We have our state-of-the-art fall protection training tower that we do hands-on. We also do classes on-site if an employer is needing a class brought to their location. If they've got a group, we can put that together and we do our best to make that cost effective. We're a nonprofit, so our prices are just to cover our expenses and make sure that there's uh, money for our mission. So it's very mission-driven and very uh, affordable for everybody. So those courses are all coming up in the next couple of months. Uh, we do training in Tulsa. We do training in Oklahoma City. Um, contractor training for the oil and gas, the petrochemical industry. We do that. We're also doing on-site trainings for those, uh, specifically out of our Tulsa office to support our Holly Frontier partners up there. So we've just got a lot going on right now. Um, we're really kind of hoping we can host OSHA's fall safety stand down in May. Uh, a lot of that depends on the COVID situation at that time and what OSHA is able to do. They weren't able to do it last year. Um, so, you know, we've always partnered with them and sponsored that. But you know, we'll, we'll see, which is day by day at this point. <laughs> Outstanding. Um, as you can tell, listeners, um, Oklahoma Safety uh, Council is a great resource. Um, I, I'm so glad they're here. Um, been a resource to me on a number of occasions. And you have plenty of opportunities to learn everything from, like we said, safe driving all the way to um, how to be a certified occupational uh, safety specialist. So plenty of opportunities there. Please reach out to this resource. Um, they've been great in so many ways for so long. Betsy, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. I appreciate all the information that you've shared. I'm really looking forward to 2021 on our partnership and everything that we're going to accomplish between our conferences, the people that we're going to reach with uh, safety mindset. And I really appreciate our partnership in being able to promote that throughout the state. So um, is there any last things you want our listeners to know before we wrap up today's podcast? I just want to say thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. We're always happy to work with you. If you need anything, just reach out to us through our website and we'll be glad to help you out. Awesome. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thanks.